0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. And that means Tech Talk. Adam Oldfield, the president and CEO of FPM, FPM3 Marketing, and Man, who sponsored this fine program, uh, is with us once again. Busy day today, Adam. i uh, glad you could be with us. Hope uh, things are going well for you.
1: Yeah, it's been very busy and things are very good. I can honestly say I, I'm so happy the Premier got my text, Bill, because I was getting a little nervous he was going to go over time. And uh, I just want you to know my connections directly. He he understood the, the the critical need for us to get into Tech Talk today. So I just wanted to say thank you to the Premier for getting offline so we could get our show underway.
0: Exactly. Uh, and I know that's what his uh, his press secretary was talking about, too. It's, you know, Oldfield and Kelly around 1135. So, you know, wrap it up, Premier. Uh, we, I want to lead off today talking about uh, about fusion energy, uh, nuclear fusion energy. We're talking about alternative sources of energy and, and what is available to us out there and a lot of the time we you know we focus on things like wind and, and, and things of this nature. Uh, but you know we, we need to take a, I think a much broader uh, view as to what's available to us right now. and you uh, have been doing some homework and some research on this uh, about some breakthroughs that are going on in this field.
1: Well, one of the things I like to think about as a technological uh, nutcase, as I'm now calling myself, Bill, is the fact that, you know, it takes electricity to do anything I love, and that's tech. Well, one of the areas I keep a a very keen eye on is obviously what kind of energy sources are out there. And you're right, as you started off, there's solar, there's wind, and, and we'll talk a few of those. But European scientists have been able to develop a nuclear fusion energy process. Now, to give you a perspective, if anybody's out there that watches Tony Stark or the Marvel movies and you see they talk about it a lot in the Marvel movies, well, this is a massive uh, success that has happened. So scientists in Europe have been able to come up with 59 megajoules of of energy. Now, that that creates 11 megawatts, which more or less powers 60 kettles. Now, you might say, like, what's the big deal about that? But it's a stepping stone of where uh, the nuclear fusion energy. Energy system versus fission energy, which is what we're creating right now, and it creates that byproduct, which is nuclear byproduct waste. Um, that is what the big deal is. So there would be no nuclear waste at the end, or uh, as they say, a clean energy source, which could be in nuclear power plants, but not the byproduct. So 100% clean renewable energy at a very very large scale which means it's it's constant it's a constant energy source so uh you know right now we we take a look at the sun as an example bill think of it as the sun locally controlled in a power source that is generating unlimited unlimited amount of energy sources so the reason why I share this is such a milestone is that this is a step towards a cleaner nuclear uh energy source for for the world for that matter and not to create the byproduct or a Chernobyl problem uh as we know that that's the issue that comes with the nuclear power plant with the byproduct
0: yeah that's you know, those were scary times remember they made a couple of movies about you know nuclear disasters well we saw them Chernobyl of course being one uh right. and, and three mile island and a couple of other situations like that and they made uh, what was it called the China syndrome that actually talked mm-hmm. about these reactors actually going haywire on them uh I'm not going to say there's no danger, but, I mean, we, we've mitigated a lot of those impacts, which is good, and I think it's, uh, I think, assuaged a lot of people's concerns about this. You mentioned wind power, uh, and that's something that, uh, the, while our previous provincial government, of course, really seemed to embrace, uh, they awarded a lot of contracts, and it's been very controversial in some areas uh, because of uh, where they want to put these, uh, these wind farms a lot of the time. Anybody who drives down the 401 to windsor uh where's i guess it's just past chatham kent uh you'll see all kinds of uh, wind farms down there Uh, a bunch of them up around shelburne now uh, up in that area collingwood tried to get some but the residents kind of backed off but there's been some concern about these and even how they work and and you found out that there's a company right now that's uh come up with an innovation that may solve some of those problems
1: Correct. And if we, as you indicated, when you see them off in the fields and I mean, uh, you know, driving even out to Niagara, there's quite a few little uh, sporadic uh, windmills that we see out there. This is something of which is going to be revolutionary from the sake of the point that the wind doesn't always have to blow in a certain direction. So the the new setup is very much like a Chinese lantern, but imagine it with little valves on it that it can spin no matter which way the wind is blowing. So it creates a a massive constant generation. Uh, energy uh, through whatever, whether it's westward, northward, otherwise wind blowing in any direction, this is something of which is uh, going to be uh, taking a new step forward. But it's again, as we come up with these renewable energy solutions, Bill, there's always advancement. So, you know, they always say build a better mousetrap. I guess there's build a better wind turbine. And this is a, a, a new one that that's actually really cool. Plus it's got one of the most uh, biggest advantages uh, and if you've ever been out east in PEI, uh, where there's a, a large concentration of windmills, all you can hear is the humming sound of them spinning when they all get moving in a good windstorm uh, over the ocean. This creates less uh, noise pollution, um, which is a common cause of, of large turbines. So uh, this is, again, another advancement we can expect. They're trying it out now, and, and, and they're smaller in size too. These aren't the size of which we are looking at Filling out a massive farm field. Um, these are very, very small. Uh, they could be more or less take half the space, meaning less uh, property will be required to generate this kind of energy. So it's a great step for renewable energy overall.
0: Excellent stuff there. Uh, we're always talking about carbon emissions and and you know our carbon footprint and things of this nature, and it, it all has to do with climate change. Everything we're talking about here seems to be uh, related. That's the common thread through this whole thing. Uh, and there's also concern, uh, you know, about the, the kind of things that we're creating, of course, with our everyday lives, especially being on electronics, as, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, we spend more and more time on electronics right now. How are the big guys, the, the Microsofts and Googles and others handling this?
1: Well, you know, the one thing we have to factor in when we talk about energy usage is, you know, w- we think of airplanes. I hear a lot about airplanes, and I've mentioned in the past about airplanes and our aviation and vehicles for that matter, Bill. Like, we know that we're moving to an electric car environment. But, you know, what has just recently came out by by uh, researchers is that 60% of the world is online. And, and that's massive when we take a look at how many billions of people out in the world there are. Um, and right now, they are contributing to the 60% of the world is contributing to 3.7% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And they're doing it by scrolling, Bill. If you're scrolling on TikTok, you're scrolling on Instagram, if you're on Facebook and you're looking up and down and going through and you're using your cellular data, it has been now proven that it is a major, major contribution to our greenhouse emissions. So right now, Google and Microsoft are claiming to try to set up new renewable energy uh, programs, similar to the two we just discussed. But if you're sitting on your mobile network and you love your 5G and whoever your provider is gave you a ton of space, just know that your phones and your streamings are causing and contributing to the fact of our of our climate change. And, and so the internet traffic is carbon intensive. I'll give you an example: TikTok for one minute uses twice the carbon of scrolling one minute on Instagram. And and when you take a look at the, they've got to rate right down to the minutia. So if you're in, if you're a TikTok user or you see a lot of people using TikTok and they're claiming we need to do more for the environment. Uh, it's a bit of a double tongue on that one because you're going to be saying, well, technically you on TikTok are also contributing to climate change problems. So video, images, they require bandwidth, they require streaming. Um, And this is, I know it seems very minute, minute, but this is a massive contribution. Collectively, when 60% of the population is scrolling, it's actually using up energy, thereby claiming that it's a carbon-producing product. So uh, hopefully our carbon tax is helping, contributing to to lessen that, Bill. I can't speak to the politics of that, but that's what's going on. So that's the background.
0: Okay, yeah, we won't go down that road. Not today, anyway. Uh, now one of your favorite topics, drones. I, I, you've fallen in love with these ever since these things were developed, uh, and you've always talked about the commercial usage of these, and the, you've got some amazing stories about that. Uh, and that's ongoing, isn't it? I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about some of the technologies and innovations, but uh, drones, in many ways, are becoming really a, a, a big part of, of local economies, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. And I mean, specifically Elroy Air, which is now global, not, not country-based, global, Bill, uh, has been uh, launching their autonomous craft, so we can expect to see more and more of these Uh, vertical takeoff landing vehicles, drones, if you will. And what's the big deal about these ones is that they can now move shipping containers. So we're talking large cargo uh, up to 500 pounds can now be traveling up to 400 kilometers comparing to other delivery drones, which we know are autonomous and they can only go up to like say 50 kilometers before their charge is down, or they're only able to lift maybe uh, your, your Chinese food or a box of pizza. But the put this into perspective, it's going to lessen the amount of time it takes to get products shipped Around the globe. So uh, we can, and this is just the stepping stone to this. So the company's called Elroy Air. And to give you an idea, we know that we see, uh, you know, large shipping, uh, uh, you know, uh, ships that are sitting in San Francisco right now, having a very difficult time trying to dock. Um, Then they got to get onto a truck. Then the truck's got to transport it. Well, you know what? I mean, we got ships at sea and trucks stuck in in Ottawa. This is going to create a solution potentially where shipping uh, containers can be able to be picked up and delivered directly to a warehouse, dropped off, and in a large capacity. So uh, again, when I've been talking about drones in the past, they've always been onesies, twosies. This is a massive, massive take up. And it's not just locally, as I said earlier, this is global. This is something that's just been launched. And we can, I'm just more or less commenting that when you see a large self-driving drone with a large shipping container, it's probably going to be this new product Elroy Air that's now coming around the uh into the market.
0: And let's talk about the medical uses of, of drones as well, because I know uh, that's something you hinted at in the past. And I guess Toronto General is now starting to do that. I mean, when you get into things like organ transplants, uh, you know, getting the organ to, to the uh, intended recipient is a critical. It's got to be done very, very quickly. Uh, you can't rely on city traffic and drones would seem to be the obvious answer.
1: Right. Well, this one's very uh, interesting. I mean, Toronto General is starting to use medical drones for the delivery of those transplants, as mentioned. But particularly when it comes to lungs or any kind of organs, for that matter, I just realized this as I was reading up on it, Bill, to talk about it. I didn't know that one in five uh, uh, organs that are that are donated, um, they end up unfortunately aren't able to be used because they they don't make it in time. But there's only a short, limited window between when an organ can be harvested and can be uh, transported. You got 36 to 72 hours. I mean, we're talking a very very short window of time of trying to find someone. Anyway, the point was is that Toronto General has been able now to utilize drone delivery of organs. Now that's we heard about in the past. We know. That there is a statement, or they were starting to work on it. The big news. Is the distance they can travel, Bill? So in the speed and, and expedite. So now we're talking that they can get up to four hundred and sixty kilometers. So from Windsor to Toronto or Ottawa to Toronto, we can have an organ. Any like that's a massive, huge, great uh, announcement for the medical community and for those that are waiting for an organ transplant to know that you know you you're more likely to get an organ that's going to be healthy and not be one of the five that unfortunately got stuck in a traffic jam or it got damaged or who knows what the cause could be. So this is something of a massive uh, medical support that I say from technology, drones are going to speed up and create that uh, ability that we could get our, you know, in the case you are uh, needing an organ transplant, this is going to be a huge game changer and the distance it takes to get there. Windsor to Toronto in a drone, 460 kilometers. And to do that in like 90 minutes, I I mean, I'm blown away by it.
0: Incredible. Uh, I, I know it's only the middle of February, and it's still chilly, and it's still winter outside, but barbecue season is just around the corner. And, and I'm tying this back to a story that we talked about a little while ago, but you know, a lot of people now, well, we've been told by medical experts, uh, when you're cleaning your barbecue, those metal brushes are really not such a good thing because the little bristles, the metal bristles can peel off, and they can stick there and get onto your food, and that can cause all sorts of problems. Leave it to technology to find a solution to this. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we give you the GrillBot.
1: Let's call it what it is, Bill. I mean, we've had Roombas going around version seven from our last week in Tech Talk. What, you know, when I saw this, I thought, oh my gosh. This is this is the best thing ever. So you're right. The grill bot does it automatically. It is a self cleaning robot. So you finish your steaks, you got your you got your birds, you got your hot dogs. You're putting it all together, and then you just you you've got it all the sopping barbecue sauce dripping on it, and you're thinking, all right, I'll, I'll turn on the barbecue next time, and you gotta scrape it down. The grill bot is now capable of you turn it on. Set the timer, set it on the grill, close the lid, and let that baby start grilling away. It just grills all that stuff off of it automatically. It goes; it, it's got its own sensors, so it goes up and around every corner of it and make sure that your barbecue is clean. Now it's $117 US. It's available right now on Amazon, but I'm just gonna tell you, it, it's it's got to be charged. Uh, So don't go thinking it's got an unlimited charge. So you got the grill, then plug it in. So, uh, but if you're just, you just want it to be clean the next time you want a robot to do it, the grill bot is an option, especially as barbecue season is coming up. All
0: right. I got two minutes left here and I got to squeeze this one in since we're talking robots. uh, You got to tell us about the robot dogs.
1: Yeah, well, the the, uh, uh, Homeland Security has just started to announce that they're going to be using uh, if You remember Boston Robotics. We've seen videos online. It's robot dogs. um, And, you know, you wondered, oh, where is this going to be used? Well, Homeland Security has just ordered uh, hundreds of robot dogs to check and walk the border and they have a sensor that more or less checks their camera. Uh, they are now uh, uh, ro- censoring based on, um, you know, if, if illegals are crossing into the U.S. from Mexico, these four-legged robots are going to be patrolling up and down um, and notifying, obviously, Homeland Security, should there be any concerns. So um, the days of which we saw the uh, Black Mirror uh, episodes on Netflix are now here, in effect. That's got to be scary. I, I I'm freaked out, and I'm just talking about it.
0: See, Trump was wrong. They don't need a wall. They just need these dogs, the robot dogs. Robot Come dogs. on, people. Jeez, <laughs> it's
1: cheaper. Anyway,
0: yeah. uh, we're out of time. It's always fun. Uh, thanks so much for this, Adam. Have a great week, and uh, we'll uh, talk again next Friday. Okay?
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. Take care.
0: You betcha. This is Tech Talk. We do this every Friday at eleven thirty-five with Adam Oldfield. Brought to you by Vacuum Man.
1: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.